We all get it, right? We get it, we get it. So that video of Dude Dad, right, brings up the question for everyone in the room that we need to answer. The first question is, how is it we live among our neighbors, right? And do we have a responsibility to our neighbors? Because it's pretty obviously we live among neighbors, right? But what is our responsibility to them? And do we even have one at all? Well, the answer to that is yes. We have a responsibility to our neighbors. And today as we finish our series called Take Back Your Family, I want to talk to you about your family has a mission. Your family has a mission. We see in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says this, follow along. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine bright before others so that the commendable things that you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. And so Jesus gives us this picture that we are to be on mission always. And there's this reality that comes with our life and that follows us every day, everywhere we go, right? We are always projecting something with our life, how we live. And the question is, what are you, what am I projecting? Whether it's in my neighborhood or within the county that I live. When we become Christ followers, Jesus gives us all kinds of nicknames. And one of them is the word light. In Matthew 5.14, what did he say? You are the light of the world, he says, right? Now, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gathered the boys, his disciples, And he said, listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to live within you to give you power to live. And so the Holy Spirit is like the electricity in us, and we are to be then the light bulb, the light, right, among those we interact with, we live around. Now, here's reality. Light does no good if it is always hanging around other light, right? There's such a thing as too much light, isn't there? I mean, how many of you go home and turn on every light in the room or every light in the house? I mean, maybe if you're a teenager, yeah, right? But in reality, we don't go on and say, turn them all on, right? Because it's like, man, there's like too much light. And that's the reality when we as Christ followers just hang out with one another, There's too much light going on. We need to go out in darkness. 
I love telling the story of Christina Kane. She's a Christian speaker from Australia. She started A21, which was a ministry to combat sex trafficking in Australia. But she gives the story of her and her daughter one day shopping at Walmart because her daughter wanted a Dora Explorer flashlight. They're standing in line to pay for it, and her daughter's turning on and on, on and off the flashlight. And she says, Mom, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And her mom said, well, honey, it needs darkness. To which the daughter said, well, then let's go out and find some darkness, right? And it's just this, this story, Christina Kane said, like it hit her, right? That as Christ followers, as light, Jesus calls us, we are to intentionally go out and find darkness because we got too much light hanging around with light. We are to be in darkness. So your family has a mission. It needs to go out and find some darkness. And so how do we do this? How do we be light to others around us? Well, I believe that we are light to others around us when our family shares our life with others. You know, one of the top 10 things we teach our kids when they're growing up, right, is what? Sharing. Hey, share with your brother, would you? Share with your sister, would you? Share with your friends, share with your classmates. We teach them that. A mother was preparing pancakes for her two sons, Kevin, five, and Ryan, age three. And they started to argue about who was going to get the first pancake. And the mother saw it as an opportunity for a moral lesson. And she said, well, if Jesus was sitting here, Jesus would tell his brother, you can have the first pancake. I'll wait. And so Kevin turned to his brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just how it is. That's how we are, right? That Hebrews 13, 16 is pretty clear. It says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased, right? And God recognizes that when we share, there is sacrifice involved. We are taking a portion of what we have or have been given, and we are dividing it up and sharing it with others, or when we do borrow things out to others, there is a risk, right, involved, whether it might get broken and never, never may return or whatever. I mean, somewhere in Isani County, I have a miter saw that I loaned out literally 15 years ago. Seriously, I have, I'm like no clue where that thing went. Just reality of it. It's part of the sacrifice of sharing, but God calls us to this. Why? Because God shared with us, John 3, 16. He knows the sacrifice, right? For God so loved the world, you and I, that he gave, he shared his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, go to hell, but have everlasting life, go to heaven. And so God understands this. But he also understands our heart. He understands that by nature, unfortunately, because of sin, that we are consumers, that we are selfish, 
with what we have, right? I mean, beyond the first couple words that our kids learn, mama and papa, right? The third word that they learn is mine, right? Isn't I mean, the third word that they learn is mine. That's mine. It's all mine, right? I mean, that's the reality. And so sharing in today's world is a big deal. It is a big deal. And so as we go out to be light and darkness as a family, I believe that we can share four areas of our life. The first area of our life as we go out and share is our character. Your character goes with you wherever you go. And whether you realize it or not, you share it with everybody you come in contact with, literally. I remember years ago, long time ago, New Hope used to be on cable TV in town here. And I remember I had a bad business transaction in town locally here with my snowblower and all that. And it just was a, a bad deal all the way around. And so much of me just wanted to like blow up and just like tell it like it is and that kind of stuff. And I remember talking to the manager and visiting and all that kind of stuff and just like, all right, be cool, just talk it out, be gentle, all those kind of things. And I remember turning after that conversation, interaction and that kind, turning to leave and the manager saying, hey, well, you better get home because you're on TV at three o'clock. And I'm like, whoa, had no clue that he was checking out, not New Hope, but checking out Jesus at three o'clock, right? And this realization that the people we interact with, we may not know them, but they may know us. But regardless, our character is something we share all day long, Everywhere, whether it starts in our home, through our neighborhood, in our businesses, in our schools. We share it. But the second area that we can share of our lives is our cash and our content. Our cash and our content. Obviously, we can give financially to others who are in need or whatever uh, when they're around us. Our content, obviously, if neighbors or individuals we know need product or resources that we have, we can actually share it with them. Hey, you can borrow that. You can use that. Hey, that's no problem, right? I always say that if we share our stuff, it will never become an idol in our life. If we share our stuff, whether it's your hunting rifle to your boat, whether it's to your sewing machine or whatever it might be, your gas grill, it never can become an idol in your life. But we have opportunity to share cash and our content, our resources with others. A third area of our life that we can share with others is our clock, our time, right? Whether you say, hey, I'll come over, help you with that project, and you're giving time, or you're sitting over a cup of coffee with the neighbor or whatever, and they're going through a difficult, tough time or somebody at work, and you're just listening. You're just listening and being empathetic, compassionate. You're sharing your time with them. And the last thing that we 
have opportunity to share in our lives and are encouraged to share in our lives is our Christ, Jesus. Share Jesus with others around you. Tell your story of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. You don't have to quote scripture. You don't have to know everything from Genesis to Revelations in the the Bible at all. Just tell your story. This is what Christ has done in my life and what he continues to do and how he's transformed my life. And so these four areas of our life, whether it has to do with our character, our cash, our content, our clock, and sharing Christ, can be done by not only the parents, but it can be done by all the kids as well. We can do it as a family. Why? Because when it comes to family, we have a mission. We have a mission. And who is it we are to share these areas with? Jesus said, our neighbor. We're to share them with our neighbor. And in our lives, in each one of our lives, each one of us have three kinds, three types of neighbors. The first neighbor we have is what I call our curb neighbor. It's like the neighbor right next to us, right? Right across the curb from us. Or we share the curb together. Or our lawns meet up, right? On average, Americans only know two of their neighbors. Two names of their neighbors, on average. That's reality. And so my question to you is, how many neighbors can you name that live around you, behind you, aside of you, across from you? Can you name them all? Do you know them, right? Because Jesus said the second greatest commandment in Mark 12, 31 is love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty hard to do that if you don't even know their names, if you've never even interacted with them at all. And we understand that our neighbors are far beyond just the people that live next door to us. But when it comes to day-to-day life, daily living, right, regular, we should be loving our neighbors. We should be serving our neighbors. We should be reaching out and caring for our neighbors that live right next to us. The second neighbor that is in our life is The church neighbor, it's beyond the curb neighbor, it moves to the church neighbor. We are the family of God here. In Romans 12, 13, it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And so we are called to care for one another, take care of each other, because it's a reflection of our faith. You know, if we are following Jesus, that means that we are becoming more like Jesus, and Jesus was a sharer, right? I love what it says in James 2, 15 through 17. It's like right in our grill. It's like straight up obvious. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, hey, goodbye, have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces, right, produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. I mean, as we walk with Jesus daily, we should more and more and more become like him, reflect him to our neighbors, whether it's our curb neighbors or whether it's our church neighbors. And then thirdly, 
what I would call our county neighbors. You see, our curb neighbors is sort of those regular. Boy, we regularly share with them, have opportunities to interact with them. You know, our church neighbors, maybe it's during the week or once a week, twice a week or whatever, that's sort of uh, this rhythm that you can have. But when it comes to our county neighbors, it's more random. And here, you know, I'd use the illustration of like the Good Samaritan, right? Where it was this random interaction where this man was coming from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was robbed and beat up. He was left along the side of the road. A priest comes down, right? A religious leader, Bill Berg, comes down, sees this guy on the road, bloodied, beaten up, and he's like, just walks around him. Bill Berg just walks around him. This Levite comes down, who serves in the church as well, sees this bloodied man, and he walks around the other side. But then Jesus says this Samaritan comes down, with the, which the Jews hated Samaritans, but he's talking to the Jews, telling this story, and he says this Samaritan stops, has compassion on this guy, picks him up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, gives the innkeeper enough money to take care of him for up to two months, and says, hey, I'll come back and check on him. If I owe you any more money, I'll pay it. And Jesus says, who was the neighbor? And obviously they had to say, well, it was the Samaritan, right? But it was this random thing. It's probably not this guy's running into people that are beat up every day of the week. But it's this, these random acts where you reach out and you care for those around you. And so in our lives, all through the week, we live among three neighbors. Our curb neighbor, our church neighbor, and our county neighbor. And we are called to be on mission as a family, parents, kids, and to interact with them and to provide for them. And so my challenge to you this morning is when it says, take back your family, and we've been focusing on how is it we are to live as families, to make sure and to communicate and talk as a family that, hey, we have a mission. We are called to be light in darkness. And in that, amongst our neighbors... We are called to share our character of Christ. We are called to release cash and content, our resources, unto our neighbors. We are called to give of our clock, our time, to others. And we are called to share Christ. You know, people often will ask people who follow Christ and are generous. They'll ask them, man, what makes you tick? I mean, why are you so different? And there's opportunity to share. Well, it's because I follow the Christ. And Jesus Christ has transformed my life. And so I want to give you three simple actions that you can do as a family to be on mission, to be light in darkness. You can write these on your outline. The first one is invite neighbors into your home. <laughs> that I mean, it's a, lot, it's a lost art today. Invite neighbors into your home. When you do that, other opportunities will come out of that. But simply just invite them over. Hey, having a cookout. Hey, why don't you stop for dessert? Hey, let's hang out out back. Kids can play. Whatever it is, invite them in. It's a rare deal today. People rarely do it anymore. 
So that's your curb neighbors. Secondly, serve regularly at church as a family. I mean, as a family, you can greet with your young kids out by the door. You can come in and do cookies together and bake together and put out some coffee. You can serve and hope kids with your kids as a way to do that. Right now, we're hosting new pathways next Sunday in Isani, our homeless shelter. And as a family, from 4.30 to 8.30, you could be an evening host where you just hang out with the families uh, during that time. And you can sign up for that after the service here. You can see Robin and uh, visit about new pathways and serve as a family. But that's your, your church neighbor. And then lastly, your county neighbor. You know, just be ready to help strangers. I love Tom Link, who uh, tends New Hope here, there at the Insani campus and stuff, but he always keeps cash on hand, he keeps clothes in his car, and food, non-perishables in his car and that, because he travels around the cities as a salesperson, and that, and he's always running into individuals that have a certain need, and he always makes sure that in his car he has those three items that are available to those who are in need, and for us to live that way as well, and to follow that peace. But Jesus said himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. Man, he shared. And he shared with his curb neighbor, his church neighbor, and his county neighbor. And he calls us as families to be on mission and to do likewise. And that's why I wanted as well to celebrate communion here this morning. So if you have your communion cup, grab that. Because Jesus says, hey, when you take this bread and when you take this cup, remember what I've done for you. And in remembering what I've done for you, live as I have lived. That's how he calls us, to live as he has lived, to reflect him and loving our neighbor. And so Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks and he said, boys, remember, when you eat of this, this is my body broken for you. Do it in remembrance of me. And he took the cup. And he said, listen, I'm going to share my blood with you. It's going to drip off the cross and it's going to cover your sin, whatever goes down in your life. And so when you drink of this, remember, because I've shared my life, I want you to go out and share your life. Drink of it. And so my challenge to you this morning and to myself as well and my family let us, let us be on mission at our curb, at our church, and in our county and beyond. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is clear and that it's challenging. And I pray favor over each one here today that we would go out and love our neighbor as ourself and be on mission with that. In Jesus' name. Amen.